Welcome to Your Place at the Table, a podcast for women who are ready to take their place and make important contributions in their lives. Co-hosted by sisters Jamie Adams and Jody Stewart, we'll identify assumptions that inadvertently keep us stuck, dig into eternal truths, and explore and develop effective skills. As we learn and grow together, we will become more articulate, more creative, more courageous, and more empowered by our Heavenly Parents to do what can only be done through the strength of their daughters. So pull up your chair and let's get started. Well, hello and welcome. We're so glad you're back with us and ready to be more intentional about showing up in your life, about pulling up your chair and taking your place at the table. In this episode, we're going to talk all about defining ourselves. Right. How do we look at ourselves? What do we say to and about ourselves inside our heads? And Mm -hmm. what are good ways that maybe we could do that more powerfully so that when we show up and that we're sitting and taking our place at the table, that we are, we're coming to it with a clear sense of who we are inside. Um, we, there's a lot to this, you know, Jody. there's a lot to this about, especially for LDS women. And I want to ask you, how do you think we usually think about who we are as LDS women and as women in general? Oh, yeah. I think, I think if we're all being honest and because we're going to lie on this show. We need to, we need to cover it up. <laughs> no. no. Where are we really coming from here? Yeah, that answer is so clear to me. I just have a constant state of dialogue that berates myself in my head. Ugh. Just, you, you know, and I don't, it just is going on. I don't, sometimes I don't even realize that it's happening, but it's pretty constant. And it's judging me, telling me that I'm doing everything wrong from laundry to ministering and that I, or I'm not showing up in the right way, or I didn't handle that situation right. It's just everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? You having the same experience, Jane? Yeah. I had a therapist friend years ago who said that we have this great voice in our heads. He called it the executive. And the executive was always talking and and making decisions and, and guiding us. And it was really there for a, an important purpose, which was protection and awareness of what's really going on. But if that executive got crazy, then it could be really hard on us saying, whoa, this isn't right. And that needs to be fixed. And this isn't turning out Mm. the way we planned. And and it can just go on and on and on if it's not stopped. And I have found Mm. my executive, you know, bossing me around and telling me that I'm not showing up in the ways I should be, you know, too much in my life. And so I've had to step that back. I've had to really find some things that would help me slow that down so that I could change it and and not let it run things for me. Right. Which can end up so discouraging. (sighs) Absolutely. And the crazy part, the crazy part about that is that all of that is based on, on lies. Right. It's not truth. These are false cultural narratives. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's point out a couple. Okay. Just to help us get rolling here. Here's one. If we think well of ourselves, if we think we're good at something, then it automatically means that somebody else can't be good. That we're either good at their expense or if we're if we recognize that we're good, that they can't be good at the same thing. Oh, right. It's kind of a false dichotomy. Right. Right. Okay. 
So we, maybe we, we hesitate or kind of resist opportunities to think well of ourselves because our, our immediate reaction is, oh, but what if that puts somebody else into a negative light or, or, yeah. or indicates in some way that someone else isn't doing as well? Mm-hmm. We do believe also, I think there's a cultural narrative that suggests that if we put ourselves down somehow, that it's a representation of humility, that it is a pious oh, and Christ-like right. way of being because we see ourselves as, you know, flawed, which we are, which we are. Right. But I think there's a better way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's a, there's a big difference between just recognizing general weakness and believing that we're not enough. Yes. Yes. That right. Those two are very different. You know, a constant self-talk that berates and drags down, that's very different than just recognizing, oh, yeah, I blew it again. Yeah. All right. Learning and growing. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Yes. You know, another one for me personally is... Sometimes I think, well, if I, if I spend a lot of time developing a strong internal sense of myself, right? If I believe strongly about myself, I will inevitably have to take more on. And I'm, I'm already taking oh. too much on. Like there's oh, already yeah. too much in my life. So if I start thinking, oh, no, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, I can do this and I can do that. And I'm, but then yeah. I will start to add more to my plate. So I will, which is a mm-hmm. silly thing, but when I'm, when I, even when I feel inspired to make a personal change in the direction of, you know, you should be more gentle with yourself. Almost immediately, I get this internal response of, oh, but then I'll have to take more on. And, and, and <laughs> that's not, I've had to learn yeah. that those, are, those two things aren't linked necessarily. Yeah, there's not a straight line from one to the right. other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another common misconception I find is a belief that that this self-depreciating voice is might be the spirit trying to help us improve. Like it's a misconception that this is how God would try to communicate right. with us is by berating right. us. Right. Talking oh. to which is completely wrong, but I have lived a lot of life believing that he was that he was that influence going, "Ah, oh, seriously? Why can't you get it together?" Right. <gasps> Oh, so yeah, that's a terrible, terrible place uh, to be. It is. And it's not the spirit. I don't, I'm with you on no. that belief, Jody, that that is not how kind and loving parents would mm-hmm. encourage their daughters is by tearing them down. Mm. No, no. Sometimes I can get caught up too as a, you know, as a narrative inside, you know, I can't really do much about the way I think, you know, if I could... It's going to take a lot of effort. Maybe I need a therapist. Maybe it's going to take years for me to see a difference. And really, Mm. in the end, what power is there in me telling myself, I am good enough? (laughs) Where's the power in that? (laughs) Right, right. Almost like you're just changing the semantics. Okay, I'm not going to tell myself I'm so stupid. I'll just be like, no, you're great. And like, that's going to accomplish the purpose. Right, right. (laughs) It's still right. No. It, yeah. It just no. feels like it's a fool's errand sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've got a great quote here from M. Catherine Thomas from her wonderful book, The God Seed, mm-hmm. which is a really deep and powerful read. 
And she says this, Most of us suffer from some form of not being good enough. This feeling becomes the lens by which we see and hear everything that happens in our life, distorting many important truths while causing us to do artificial things, like being untrue to ourselves, trying to manage our image in others' eyes, doing things that aren't right for us, doubting love when it is genuinely offered, keeping others at a distance, devaluing our own unique contributions, and even shrinking back when stepping forward would make a difference. I love the clarity of her thinking here and recognizing all the different places that we are effective when we have this core belief that we are not good enough. And it doesn't serve us or others or God to believe this. Well, isn't it interesting that that belief, she says, when we suffer from this form of not being good enough, it causes us to do artificial things because it's an artificial belief. So if we are caught up in a belief that is not true and genuine about who we are, then we're going to spend more time posturing, dropping hints about our great vacations, Mm. suggesting, (laughs) you know, oh, last time I ran a marathon, I did so great. You know, I don't know, whatever it is that we need to, not that talking about our accomplishments, okay, is bad. But it's trying, it's trying to convince ourselves right. and others that we are good enough. Right, when that has never been on trial. Exactly. Our worth is already oh. determined. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't serve mm-hmm. us or God to believe that we're not enough. So how, how do we shake off the negative thoughts and beliefs so that we can become who we really are, so that we can fully embody that capacity? Well, I I think the best way is to go back to the doctrine, the true pure doctrines that the Savior teaches us about ourselves. And this one, this is again, was brought to our attention from Catherine Thomas. Sister Thomas's book is fantastic. I'm just going to say that again. It is one of the most Mm -hmm. deeply inspiring works I have read in many years. And anyway, she, she, brings us to these wonderful scriptures in Doctrine and Covenants 93, where we can really internalize who we are and what we're made of. So it begins in verse 21, and this is the Savior speaking. Okay, so the Savior starts talking about himself, and then he brings it to us. And in in verse 21, he says, I was in the beginning with the Father. Okay, so we know that's where the Savior started out. And then he says, ye were also in the beginning with the Father, that which is spirit, even the spirit of truth. Mm. So in verse 26, he says, the spirit of truth is of God. I am the spirit of truth. But right before that, he said, that which is spirit, ye were also there. Okay, so we have the same spirit of truth as our Savior. Verse 29, woman was also in the beginning with God. Intelligence or the light of truth was not created or made, neither indeed can be. But all truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it to act for itself as all intelligence also. For woman is spirit. The elements are eternal and spirit and element inseparably connected, receive a fullness of joy. 
So uh, the foundational belief is not only that we are daughters of our Father in heaven who loves us and we love him, but it's that we're the same spirit as Heavenly Father, Heavenly Mother, and the Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. Right. The same spirit, that same spirit of truth that is what they are made of is what we are made of. Right. So what does it mean to be the spirit of truth? How does that affect us at this point? Well, okay, let's talk a a little bit more about maybe our self-definition here. And we'll get into this, I think, in a little bit more detail further on. But the spirit of truth, the Savior said he he did not define himself weakly. You'll notice. He just said, Mm -hmm. I am the spirit of truth. So... If I'm going to define myself as the Savior does, as the spirit of truth connected to divine power, then I have to look at myself and my life honestly. I have to have Mm -hmm. honesty in my thoughts. I have to have honesty coming out of my mouth. I have to have honesty in my actions. I have to value my own word in the way I show up. Right. So making a habit of talking badly to myself completely contradicts the spirit of truth in me. Right. Right. So there's just no way. And and I mean, it's one thing to talk about this. And it's another thing to paddle the canoe up the torrential river of negativity mm. that is flowing at us. And for myself, this is no easy task. But I think it's a incredibly valuable one and one that has been has had more worth to me personally on my journey toward taking my place at the table than almost anything else is my personal self redefinition oh yes absolutely absolutely in fact i would say that i have just had a variety of different challenges throughout the course of my life and so many of them, when I begin to experience them, I feel so untethered, like the rug has been pulled out from under me and I'm trying to get my bearings. And during those times, especially, I find myself praying and just asking the Lord to show me what is true. Mm. And as he has shown me what is true, the clarity that comes even in really, really difficult circumstances, has been able to just shed light on the next step, give me more clarity on who I am and how I need to show up. And it just that incremental process has been so blessed because it has enlivened the spirit of truth in me. That is just a, such a beautiful pattern that is possible for all of us, that the Lord can teach us minute by minute, step by step. He can show us what is real, what is true. Well, the better we get of recognizing that, especially in the moment, is that if we are to be the spirit of truth, we cannot tolerate anything that is not truth because it will immediately set up a conflict within ourselves And it will rob us of power in our soul. 
And this is, this is something to wade oh. through because the mists of darkness that, that Satan uses in his way of, you know, blinding us, oh, they're, yeah. they're powerful. They make everything unclear. They make everything mm-hmm. weird. And we, we feel like we have to do this or that. It, it just takes away direction and clarity. But if we are committed to seeing and being truthful about ourselves, about our personal responsibility, about how we show up, it, the, the natural reaction to that is greater personal power. Yes. And, you know, Sister Thomas in her book says, most of us are still carrying around conflict that we've generated in ourselves with our little lies for love and approval, for times that we've copped out and times that we haven't showed up. Okay, so so that's a real thing, but it's not to Mm -hmm. disempower us, right, in in this process. It's not to make us feel worse or, you know, get more down on ourselves. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Right. right. Yeah, we don't have to go there. Right. We do not have to go there. Like, this is just a, a gentle exposing process mm-hmm. to give us a chance to say, oh, wow, yeah, that is something that's been a part of my mm-hmm. life, but it doesn't have to stay that way. And I also believe firmly that as most of us spend so much time and effort trying to keep all the ducks in a row and checking all the important things off the list and doing everything the best that we can with all of our earnest efforts in these fallen ways. The Lord is not disappointed in us. He does not condemn us for our earnestness, but he does have more light to offer and he wants us to step up to a better way. Amen. We can be done. If only you I were know. that I simple. wish too. I wish it were just that. Oh, we know. We know God loves us. And now it's, you know, and he's just, right. he's just being there in good and gentle and loving yes. ways, which is true. But, but many of us will have to come through experience to know that that is real. Oh, okay. I love that you said that. And I just want to dwell on that for a minute because it does begin with like a radical trust in the Savior. But we cannot, it will only feel artificial until we experience that. Mm -hmm. So we can go seeking for that. We can go to the Lord and open ourselves up to the truth of who we are, right? As we are seeking truth and wanting to connect with that spirit of truth, which is what we're made of, we can ask and seek to know from him who we are. Because once that gets down into our bones, into our the core of our cells, then once you experience that, you can't unexperience it. It becomes a core part of who you are, that depth of understanding. And so then you won't be as tempted, again, to define yourself weakly or to refuse to get over mistakes and self-judgments of the past. You'll be able to come from that place of truth. You know, Sister Thomas says that she makes a comment about this saying, you know, when the Savior 
is saying, I am the spirit of truth and you are the spirit of truth, that you're the light of a truth, that you're intelligence, that you are independent and free, and that you are made out of the same material that I am and you are free to become as I am. You know, he, the Savior, took that material and made something powerful out of it. And we can too. And that idea was life-altering for me. At the time that I was starting to hear these ideas, you know, I have some natural skepticism with some of this stuff that I've lived long enough to know that if something is sounds too good to be true or if there's a quick fix or, or just, it usually is. It's It's not... Anything of deep value takes time and effort. And I, you know, I I tend to just go, oh, I don't know that just a a belief or a shift in how I define myself is really going to have all of this life altering power and clarity. Mm. However, the Lord was really gracious to me during this time as I was mulling through these ideas. And he helps me personally to hear important truths from more than one source. I was serving in a Mm -hmm. calling and in a capacity that required me to do a fair amount of teaching. And so I was wanted to do some research on truly effective teaching. So I found this video online and it was Boyd K. Packer teaching about effective teaching. So okay, kind of totally different trajectory in my life. I'm just focusing Mm -hmm. on my calling here. And he said this. He says, I believe that to the degree you perform according to the challenge and charge you have. And this is in relation to teaching. He said, the image of Christ does become engraven upon your countenances. And for all practical purposes, in that classroom, at that time, and in that expression, and with that inspiration, you are he, and he is you. And that just blew up for me. I thought, okay, here is a second witness saying to me this same thing. We Mm -hmm. are the spirit of truth, just as Christ is. And as we cultivate the truth about everything that we can in our lives, about the way we see others, about the way we're showing up or not showing up, each bit brings us closer, not only to being like him, but grants us opportunities where we are him as we teach in in purity in a moment, as we interact Mm. with a child in a moment. All of those build up to become a lifetime of these types of experiences more and more in truth with the Savior. Mm -hmm. And, And I felt that that point that this could be true and not in a Stuart Smalley you know, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn, people like me. It wasn't in an I just need to no. change my semantics kind of way that you mentioned before. It was a mm-hmm. genuine I am. I have not known who I was up until this point kind of way. Right. You had that experience. Okay. I'd like to spend a little bit of time also digging into this concept that we are made out of the same material as the Savior. And that we are free to become as he is. My concern here is that that word free, as it's used in the scripture, can be a little bit difficult because there are so many of us at varying times in our lives that actually don't feel, we feel anything but free. Uh 
We feel just completely trapped by our circumstances. So I do want to spend a little time also focusing on this concept of freedom that's mentioned in the scripture, that we are made out of the same material that the Savior is, and that we are free to become as he is. Because so often in my life, I'm looking around at my circumstances and I feel almost anything but free. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think it's difficult because well, I, I do this too. I either consciously or even subconsciously will put blame on things that will keep me bound. You know, I don't consider myself free because there's just too much required of me right now. And mm-hmm. this idea of spiritual independence and the time mm-hmm. it might take to develop that is something for when my job slows down or our business is sold or the kids grow up or I have a less demanding calling. Like there's just, I don't feel like I have the freedom to even create that within myself. Right. But the interesting thing here, if we really dig deeply, we see that even Jesus was never free, free from the restraints of carrying the burden of his purpose and what was necessary for his life, the need to live perfectly and be able to atone for our sins and offer that the sinless physical sacrifice in the crucifixion so we could be resurrected. That what he showed in his example was not freedom from constraints. Right. <laughs> because it was all constraints, mm-hmm. but it was his submission to whatever God allowed to be a part of his earthly experience that allowed him the freedom. He was still the spirit of truth, but there was a trust that every time he taught truth, he didn't resist it. He didn't fight against his lot. He just accepted that some people would be responsive to the light he had to offer and others would be provoked. See, that's the freedom. The spirit was unrestrained with him everywhere. And I have found this to be true for myself when I'm honoring the spirit of truth as much as I can in every aspect of my life. That's the freedom that I'll experience. Right. Right. I'm thinking about how sometimes I dishonor the spirit of truth in me, not only by berating myself about who I am and what I can do and how I can show up, but also in judging my life circumstances and that When I stop resisting the spirit of truth in me, when I stop just wishing that I could have have more opportunities to show my children the world or teach them languages, or those are just some of the things that swim around in my head that I that I think, oh, they just would be so much better off if this could happen. That if I just accept the circumstances that are a part of my life and that in some ways seem to constrain us. But if I allow the spirit of truth to flourish in that environment, then is when I live free and have fulfilling experiences within my own little radius. Yes. (laughs) Within the small reach of my stewardship. Yes. Which has and will continue to create as much light as if you were spreading it all over the globe. Yeah. Yeah. It is a different way of interacting with the world. 
And perhaps mm-hmm. nothing in your circumstances may change, but your being will. Mm. And that, right. that is, that's the, what the goal is. And that, that's what we're headed toward yes. in, in this process. Yes. Okay. So that, that yeah. takes us then to, let, let's just talk about a little more practically. Now we've, we've talked about the doctrine. We've talked about who we are. And we went a little deeper than just saying, you know, we have a spirit and a body. We talked more about what that spirit means and what it means to be connected to the Savior. But now let's talk about how we can define ourselves more powerfully. And I think the first part of this process, at least for me, was awareness. Awareness, when we start realizing that we're not being true to who we are, when we allow these thoughts about ourselves, or if we believe it's an act of humility to debase you know, ourselves or, or others. You know, there's subtle and overt ways mm. that we judge and the belief that we're not worthy, not enough, that we're slow, that we're foolish, dumb, mm. ugly, insignificant, mm-hmm. lame. Like I could just go on and on and on. Right. <laughs> if these things are not truth and they're not, then it's not right. of God. No. And so we have to be willing to challenge them. Well, we have to be willing to See them, Mm -hmm. number one, recognize them and not just let them be the wallpaper of our mental process, but to just recognize when they're happening so that we can deliberately change what we're thinking and believing. Right. Yeah. So we want to believe. We do believe that the atonement applies to sins. We, We know that already. But what about putting ourselves down? Okay. So Again, this problem has nothing to do with our actual self-worth. Our Mm -mm. self-worth cannot change in God's eyes. But with the kind of thinking, judging, and failing to forgive ourselves, then that's where we invite the atonement in. And so in our prayers, in our prayers, when we talk to the Lord about this, Father, I have not been kind to myself. I, I... I say this, this is a mm. tape that plays in my head. I need help to stop this. I need help to see it, to slow it down so that I can correct it. Right. Help right. me as I try to do this. Yes. Show me the truth about what I'm doing so that I can replace it with the truth about who I am. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's important to recognize that times of comparison are especially vulnerable in this regard. Oh, yes. Jody, yes. That that can almost be a second nature to compare ourselves in whatever area we feel weak in, whether it's something about our body or something about the way we talk to people or we do this this mothering thing or we try to lead our team at work, that when we begin to compare, those can be times when when that mental chatter just picks up the pace. Mm-hmm. And so so even just recognizing that, you know, you can go from one moment of seeing somebody who responded to a situation with grace and strength. And in that moment, you might feel that twinge of envy and, oh, I'm never, I never handle things like that. When you see that, you can just stop it right there. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. I love what she did. And I love it when I handle things well. Mm-hmm. Moving yep. on. <laughs> <laughs> or 
or just know, ah, I'm vulnerable right now. I'm just vulnerable. I'm not going to go anywhere else with this. I'm vulnerable. Right. I'm not going to go oh, there. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Jody, help us. What are thoughts that we can think that are more liberating? So Sister Thomas has a great comment about this. She says, if we were to become as aggressive and disciplined with our thinking of the thoughts that empower us as we have been in berating ourselves, our lives would absolutely change. She says, aggressive and disciplined. Mm-hmm. Now, with thinking thoughts that empower. Mm. Now, and I like because she says, we have been pretty aggressive and disciplined in berating ourselves. So we, yeah. we can do this already and we're already good at it. Yes. We just need to shift that trajectory and we can be, have that same power and intensity toward speaking well about ourselves inside, inside our heads. Mm-hmm. It can be that strong and that good for us. Well, a great practice for beginning this is to begin defining yourself in using the example that we learned from the Savior when he came and visited Moses. Moses is feeling weak and insignificant and unable. And he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And the Savior replies to him, with an example. I am that I am, Moses. I am the God that you have learned about from your childhood, the God of strength, the God of miracles, the God of covenants. That's who I am. As you partner with me, you can be who you are. Mm. So friends, we can follow this example. Right. I am, just start with I am. Right. I am the spirit of truth. That was established for us in Doctrine and Covenants 93. Yeah. I am Christ's. Yes. I am Christ's. Yeah. To just be firm about who you belong to. I love it. And because of that, I am connected to divine power. Mm-hmm. And because I have divine power, I'm taking responsibility to stop causing myself damage. Mm. And I am courageously going to live this powerful life full of goodness and contribution because that's who I am. I am becoming aware of my moment-to-moment thinking. Mm. And as I'm aware, I am forgiving of my weakness and others. Mm. Yes. And as I forgive, I then, you know... I think this process as we become, you know, even as we say to ourselves, you know, I am, I'm aware now, I'm aware of this moment to moment thinking. I'm realizing that there are some of the thinking that is bringing me down. I can stop that. I can forgive myself. You know, ah, it's all right. You know, I forgive myself for, for just going down that path. And now I can reverse it and I'll just say something else to myself. Even if at first it feels awkward and, hmm. and uncomfortable, you know, you think, oh, I'm just dumb. Oh, okay. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just, okay. I'm feeling vulnerable right now, or I am really smart. I'm just exhausted. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. There's just mm-hmm. ways to be gentle and, and say, mm-hmm. you know, what is actually going on for us. 
in addition to these types of of affirming truths, I want to say also that it is really powerful to cultivate a belief system and maybe even an actual list on paper of the IMs, very personal IMs for your life. And I just want to give an example of this. I was speaking to a group of YSA Relief Society sisters a few years ago, and I was talking about gifts and strengths and how stepping into them and owning them can help us to be more powerful in them. And the Spirit prompted me in that moment to do this little activity. And so I had to set it up. And for the first time, I spoke out loud about what I knew to be true. Mm. (laughs) And I said to these sisters, so I know that God has given me a strength in teaching and speaking to groups of people. And that was so scary to me because I was doing that thing. And I thought, how many people in this room are looking at me right now going, that's so not true. (laughs) I'm totally, I'm not even relating with what you're saying, lady. I just, all those gremlins just were pressing on me, but the spirit was just pushing me to take the opportunity to say out loud, I am really good at teaching spiritual truths in this kind of a venue. It's just how the Lord designed me. And we did this practice where they turned to each other and started voicing some of their own personal I am's. And then we had a chance to share. And there were some beautiful, beautiful things that the women were able to say out loud about themselves. And so many of them were things I could never say about myself, but it wasn't about comparison. It was just Mm -hmm. a joyous event where we were all recognizing that we have these IMs that are part of our unique contribution to the world and believing them, verbalizing them and owning them. That is what gives them the power. I want to piggyback and offer an experience of my own in this regard. I was at a church activity. Okay, very similar. It's just funny that you should bring that up where they said, well, we're going to get to know each other. And this is at least 10 years ago. They said, tell us something about yourself. So we went over, everybody's going around the room. Well, you know, I've, I've done this and I enjoy this and these types of things. And one of this woman who has since become a good friend to me piped up and said, I am a good mother. And she has been a single mother her whole life. And if anyone I'd ever Mm -hmm. met would have probably every excuse to downgrade her contribution, but she didn't. And in front of all these people, she owned the one thing that most women tend to feel the worst about, which is their mothering, right? Their their relationships as a woman. Well, where are you in, in your relationship, right? That's where we take stuff to heart. And ever since that, it hit me in my spirit so strong to hear her just stand up and own that, mm. that yes. from that point, I never downgraded my mothering. Even inside myself, oh. I decided I am never going to do that again. I am a good 
mother. My kids are normal kids, and man, have they got their own struggles and things in this life, but I am a good mother because I am, because I love them, because I'm showing up the best I can. You know, we're just doing what we can here. And I am so grateful to her for giving me that gift, which it was. And I'll love her forever for standing up and taking her place at the table so that I could take mine. Oh, and that is exactly how this works. As each one of us steps into the power of who we are, of what our I am really is, then we will inspire others to do the same. And then collectively, we can all grow toward a fuller expression of our unique contribution. Absolutely. I have felt this defining myself powerfully a very important part of my process of coming to know the Lord and receiving revelation from Him. And, you know, Catherine Thomas says it this way in her book, which I think is perfectly apt. She says, the actual experience of liberation. And she says this, I would say, directly in response to this process of personal redefinement, like as we're saying, I am in different ways. She says, the Mm -hmm. actual experience of this liberation exceeds the written description. The difference Mm -hmm. between a collapsed feeling inside and the heightened energy of I matter and I have a work to do that matters is like night and day. It is bigger than words. And I would agree with her. It is bigger than words. Yes. It is hard to it describe is than words. how great and how liberating it can feel. Yes. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, subscribe now so you can be notified when we post a new episode. Also, share us with a friend. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or your place at the table podcast at gmail.com. We are definitely looking forward to the next time and hope you'll be there with us. Bye-bye.